all 10 campuses. We're so glad that you are here. This week we're going to learn about some new on-ramps to group life at Faith Promise. We're going to learn a little more about what it means to follow Jesus and to lead others to do the same. And we believe that at every campus today, many of you will take some steps into the new rivers and new roads that God has prepared for you in 2018. It's going to be an exciting year. Last week, Pastor Chris kicked off our series, This Is Group. I can't think of anyone better to kick off this series because he represents what we're talking about. We want to help people follow Jesus and lead others to do the same. I've known Pastor now for 28 years, and he is one of the most consistent people that I've ever met in my life at following Jesus and leading others to do the same. We are blessed to have a pastor who is so faithful, and he cheers us on, he encourages us, and he wants us to grow in Christ and lead others to do the same. I'm so thankful for Pastor Chris and thankful for this opportunity to be with you uh, to share God's word. Last week, Pastor gave us four marks, or four characteristics of followers of Jesus. First of all, they encounter God through uh, the study of God's word. They embrace others uh, through love. They engage the world around them through service. And they expand God's kingdom by making disciples. We're so committed to helping people follow Jesus and lead others to do the same that we are now forming groups around these four marks, these four characteristics of a follower of Jesus. Encounter groups form around the study and the application of God's word. Embrace groups form around a common interest. Engage groups form around serving people within our church and community. And expand groups form around uh, developing leaders and multiplying leaders to help more people follow Jesus. We're so excited about this. You know, about last August, I set out on a journey, and it's really been one of the most difficult and thrilling journeys of my life. I signed up for my first ultra marathon. It's been a goal of mine for years to do an ultra marathon, and about six or seven years ago, I, I set a goal. I wanted to do a 50-miler. So a month from today, I will run my first 50-miler, Lord willing, okay? Uh, so about Nine days ago, I set out on what would be my longest training run of the entire process since last August until uh, a month from now. It'll be my longest run. And uh, we live in Hardin Valley, my wife and I, and so I got in my car and I drove to Oak Ridge. And I wanted to do my run in that area. Why? Because when you're going 40 miles, you want it flat as possible. And I've run all over East Tennessee and Knoxville and Oak Ridge in that area. The Oak Ridge Turnpike is about the flattest I've found, okay? And uh, so I I got there, and I parked in the Kroger parking lot. I put down some more liquids and uh, made sure all my gear was right. I pulled out my phone. I did a quick Instagram post just saying, hey, today I'm trying to run 40 miles. I appreciate your prayers. That would be strengthened in my mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much. And I put my phone in the glove compartment, got out, locked my car, hit my watch, and I took off towards Kingston on the, on the turnpike and went out 10 miles. First 10 miles was a breeze. It always is. The first 10 miles is the easiest. And uh, so I'm going out there, and I turn around, and I start back about more about mile 14, I get pretty sick, like really sick to my stomach. And I'm like, this is unusual. This has never happened to me. And, uh, but I press on through, and I make it back to the car, 20 miles down. But as I'm making from the mile 14 to 20, I begin to think, you know, maybe today's not my day. You know, I've read a lot about some people go out for a 40-mile run or whatever distance you want to go out, and it's just not the day to get it done. And so maybe today's not my day. 
And so I got back in my car, and I'm, I'm uh, eating some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that my wife has made for me. And when you've run 20 miles, let me tell you, PBJs are just flat out delicious, okay? And uh, they're delicious anyway, but especially then. I mean, I'm chugging some liquids, uh, Pedialyte, anything to get stuff in me that will help me. But I'm also thinking maybe I won't complete the whole 40. Then I pull out my phone, and I see all these comments on my Instagram posts asking people to pray, and people have actually written out prayers for me, and people will say, you got this, Kyle. My old friends would say, you got this, Wall. Go for it, man. I'm so proud of you. You inspire me. And all these things. As I begin to read these, I'm like, there's no way I'm quitting right now. No way in the world. I am like inspired. I'm hearing the Rocky soundtrack in the background, and I'm ready to go. And uh, so I get out of my car. I post. I make a quick post, an update, and uh, put my phone up, get out of the car, hit the watch, and I head out towards Clinton this time, and I go running, and uh, first four or five miles of that was pretty easy, not bad, and then miles 25 to 34, let's just say they were brutal. No, actually, they were brutal. Okay, there's a difference. There's brutal and there's brutal, all right? These were brutal. And, uh, you know, when you begin to pray, Jesus, take the will, and you're running, you know it's bad, okay? And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm running, and I'm just surviving at this point. And I get back to the car. I've gone 34 miles, and really, I'm already in my mind writing out what I'm going to put on Instagram. Hey, I just couldn't make 40 today, but 34 is a great win. I'm going to celebrate that win. I'll do 40 another day. I open my phone while I'm eating some food, and there's more prayers. There's more comments. I'm like, oh, baby, I'm going to finish this thing. I am so fired up. There's no way I'm stopping now. I put my phone out, get out of the car, hit my watch, and I go towards Kingston again, out three miles and back. When I hit mile 39, I'm rolling 39 to 40 like this. People think the police are chasing me or something. I'm just worshiping Jesus, though. And when I hit mile 40 in that Kroger parking lot, I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. And when I got there, I knew one thing. You see, I do these training runs, runs, humanly speaking, most of the time by myself for two reasons. One, it's hard to get people to run those distances with you. Uh, Number two... If they do run those distances, they usually run a whole lot faster than me, and they don't want to slow down to my pace, okay? And, uh, but this day, besides God being with me, he's always with me, and he's always with you if you know Jesus Christ. This day, I didn't run alone. I'm telling you, I would have not made this 40-mile run. I would have quit if it wasn't for people speaking life over me and speaking life into me and saying, don't quit, you've got this, you've got this, go, you can do it. And I made it because of them. Now, the consequences of me not making that run weren't that big. But we all need people speaking life over us and speaking life into us. Because when we're ready to quit on our marriage, we need people speaking life into us. Are you with me? We need people say, no, man, don't quit. This will be the dumbest decision of your life. You've got to hang in there, man. You've got to go for it. When you're, when you're thinking about stepping out in, in the stupid, which we all do step into stupid sometimes. Are you with me? Can I get a witness? You need friends around you to say, hey, what are you thinking, bro? No, no, no. Walk this way. We need people speaking life over, speaking life into us, people believing in us. And at Faith Promise, we call this a group. Listen, we all need a place to belong, to belong. Chris Valentine, the senior associate pastor at Bethel Church, says the greatest fear of people is that they will not belong. Brene Brown, who has three earned PhDs, let that sink in for a moment, okay? She says this, 
We are neurologically wired for connection. And connection gives meaning to our lives. In other words, God has hardwired for us to belong, to be in relationship. Now, because we live in a fallen world, a fallen world means that we've chosen to go our own ways instead of God's ways. That's what it means. And, and as a result, it's fallen. Because we live in a fallen world, many people do not feel they're worthy of belonging. Dr. Brown calls this shame. And shame whispers to us, and sometimes shame shouts to us that there's something about you that if people knew, then you would not be good enough to belong. When our Bible passage today, we're going to uh, meet a person, a woman, who's experiencing shame and fear. She's experiencing disconnection and the belief that she cannot belong. We're also going to see Jesus embrace and engage this woman with love, with hope, and with value. And I want us to pay close attention to Jesus and what he does with this woman in this connection because we want to follow Jesus. Let's dive into this story. In John chapter 4, verses 7 through 42, we see an amazing story involving Jesus and a woman. The story is commonly called the woman at the well. This story did not happen by accident, but rather on purpose. Jesus and his disciples were going from Judea to Galilee, and the story takes place in Samaria. Now, normally these Jewish men would not have passed through Samaria, but on this day, they had a reason. Look at verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria. Speaking of Jesus, he had to pass through Samaria. You see, Jesus was on a mission from his father to embrace and to engage a woman and ultimately a city with his love. Listen, when you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, we will receive mission assignments from the Father. As we follow Jesus Christ, he will give us mission assignments. Now, a few things about these mission assignments. They're rarely ever are they convenient. Uh, sometimes they seem to appear risky. And most always they require us to consider others more than we consider ourselves. The scene of this mission assignment takes place in a famous Old Testament location, Jacob's Well. Jesus is sitting alone at Jacob's well at around noontime in the heat of the day. But he's not alone for long. Look at verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now this woman was filled with fear. This woman was filled with shame. She was filled with disconnection and the belief that she could not belong. She was filled with all of this. And we will discover later in the passage why she lived with these uh, uh, dark emotions and false beliefs. The very fact that she went to Jacob's well to draw water at noontime in the heat of the day speaks loudly to us about her thought processes and about her beliefs. You see, the other women of the city would have come out later in the day, in the cooler point of the day, to draw water. But this woman desperately wanted to be alone because in her core being, she did not feel that she could belong. She was disconnected. Have you ever been around a person who sabotaged any chance at a relationship just from the very start? They do this in order to protect themselves from the 
the hurt that they convinced themselves they will experience. Well, this woman was very positive that Jesus would reject her. Uh, let's see her comments as she opens up to Jesus. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Let me give you a few ideas about Jews and Samaritans. First of all, they did not connect at all. Uh, they did not align at all. They despised one another. Secondly, um, it was unlawful for a Jewish rabbi to teach a woman. One of the leading rabbis of Jesus' day said, I would rather burn the Torah than teach it to a woman. That's what he actually said. So this, uh, if you're going to follow Jesus and lead others to follow Jesus, you, the Holy Spirit will lead you to cross cultural and conventional barriers. He will lead you. Now, some of these barriers we've created in our own mind. Some of these barriers are, are barriers that our society has created. But the Holy Spirit will lead you to cross these barriers because God has people that he wants you to reach with his love. So this woman presupposed that Jesus would reject her. She was in for a surprise. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Now notice the conversation here. She uses the phrase, you're not greater than our father Jacob. You see, this is a, a very unique connection in that she was a Samaritan woman. Jesus was a Jewish man. It was awkward at best. And instead of saying, my father Jacob, she uses the phrase, our father Jacob. The way that Jesus is approaching this woman, even his body language is bringing unity to the connection and not division. I love that about him. Listen, the Holy Spirit, when you and I are following Jesus, will enable you to lead others to Jesus in a what kind of way? A loving way. Let that sink in. In a loving way. If it's of the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you to lead people to Jesus in a loving way. Let's look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now this well of water springing up to eternal life is speaking of forgiveness of sins and the indwelling Holy Spirit in a person's life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. Jesus is embracing this woman he, in spite of cultural barriers. And he's engaging her with some good news. And this woman for the first time in a long time is believing maybe, just maybe, I can belong. Maybe I can belong. I want you to notice how Jesus presses in more. He presses in just a little more to this woman, not to expose her, her, but to say to her, I understand you. I feel your pain. And I value you. Look at verse 16. 
he said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Now, this woman, for most of my life when, uh, when I've read this story, I've always felt that Jesus was, um, when he called for her to go get her husband, was exposing her sin. But as I've gotten to know Jesus better and to understand his love and his mercy and his grace more and more in my life, I've begun to look at this encounter in a different light. You see, Jesus was saying to this woman, I understand your pain. I understand your hurt. I understand your rejection. I understand why you feel that you cannot belong. I understand all this, but I embrace you and I value you. Jesus was saying to this woman that he understood her pain, but he still valued her. This was unexpected. Maybe she could belong after all. You see, Jesus understood because he knew the words of the prophet Isaiah who had spoken hundreds of years before about him, that he would be despised and rejected by men. He could enter into this woman's pain, and it caused her to think, maybe, maybe I won't be rejected this time. I love how Jesus spoke with insight into this woman's life. The Holy Spirit gave him insight into her life. That's right. The Holy Spirit did that. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, but I don't believe in the understanding of Scripture that he would just pull the God card and use the 100% God to know what a person was thinking, but he walked in the full control of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him things about this lady. You know, he still does that today. When you or I are on a mission to embrace others, to engage the world around us, there will be times when the Holy Spirit will give you insight into a person's life that you could not have in the natural. Why will he do that? Because he wants to impress upon the person you are connecting with that he knows them, he knows what they're going through, and he loves them. After Jesus speaks to her with insight, she acknowledges that Jesus hears from God. And because she is accepted and, and being valued and embraced, she presses into Jesus to learn more about worshiping God in verses 19 through 24. She asks questions about what it means to worship God. And, and now because she's valued and embraced, she feels like this is a safe place where she can ask her questions. This is our desire for every group at Faith Promise, that every group would be a place for real people with real problems to find real love. That is our desire for every group. Now in verse 25, this woman says, I know that one day the Messiah is coming. She hasn't put it together yet that Jesus is the Messiah. But look what happens in verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Can you imagine the intensity and the power of that moment? This woman who had come to Jacob's well to draw water in the heat of the day in order to avoid her peers, whose life was characterized by shame and rejection, has just met Jesus, the Messiah, and she would never, ever be the same. For the, 
first time in ages, she feels valued. She feels embraced and accepted by someone who knows everything about her and everything that she has ever done. She is loved. She is safe. She is safe. She is home. She has been embraced by Jesus, the Messiah. One of the four values of our groups that faith promises to embrace others. We all need a place to belong. We all need a place where we're valued. And it is our desire in 2018 that more people would enter into group life at Faith Promise than ever. Why? Because we firmly believe, this is one of our core values, that we grow together. We grow together. As a result, we're offering new and inviting on-ramps to group life at Faith Promise. We're beginning this today. We're offering embrace groups. Embrace groups form around a common interest. They form around a common interest. For example, as I've shared, I enjoy running. So I'm starting a running group. It's for runners who are beginners all the way to the most experienced runners. We'll get together two to three times a month and we'll talk about running, learn about running, and we'll actually run. We'll walk and run, okay? If you can only walk, come, okay? That's okay. But while we're doing that, we're also going to learn how to follow Jesus and lead others to do the same. If you're a seeker, it'll be a safe place for you to ask questions. If you're a follower of Jesus, it'll be a place where you can grow in your knowledge and understanding and how you can walk more with Jesus Christ. Pastor talked about last week how he and Michelle have a group that's been formed around the common interests of CrossFit. They meet together, they work out together, but they also they meet together and they grow in Jesus Christ. They're learning to become followers of Jesus Christ and how to lead others to do the same thing. Let me give you some examples of some, of some new embrace groups that we are being offered starting this month. We have a muscle car group. I guess that's a really strong car, I don't know. But uh, we have a muscle car group. We have a foster adoptive parent group. We have a group called Reboot. That's going to be launching at our North Knox campus. This group is for uh, veterans who have come back and who are dealing with PTSD. We eventually hope to offer this group at every campus. We have a cooking, food, interior design group, a dinner and a movie group. Count me in. We have a group that just came up this week called Flaws and Paws. It's a group of young adult ladies who want to learn and grow in Jesus Christ because they realize they have some flaws but they also love dogs, okay? And so that's their common interests and flaws and paws. Maybe you already have a group of people that you get with around a common interest, whatever it may be. How about taking that group and turning it into an FP embrace group? Let me tell you about a guy who's doing that right now. Mark Winterton is our group's pastor at our Farragut campus, and he and Misty are just doing an incredible job. We're so proud of them. They're just knocking it out of the park. But if you've ever, Mark, ever met Mark, he is a bodybuilder, like weightlifter, like he walks like this, you know, oh, and his legs rub together, and his arms are bigger than my legs, and all that stuff. He works out early in the morning, every morning at Gold's Gym, and he's got a group of guys he works with, and, and they pray together, and he just, the, the the bell went off one day. I can turn that into an FP embrace group, and we can grow together around a common interest. Another on-ramp to group life at Faith Promise is engage groups. 
engage groups form around a desire to serve people within our church and within the community, to show people the love of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ knows them and cares about them and loves them. Let me give you some examples of some engage groups that are starting this month. A cooking and baking for those in need. Operation Backyard. A hands and hammers group. They're going to get together and help people with repair work in their houses who can't do it. Several CARM groups, a community service group, a spreading God's love group. And there's a group that I would love to see started at every one of our campuses. We're just asking God for, a, for a, someone to lead it. I know people will come and fill it. It's, it's an abolitionist group. It's a group to stop modern-day slavery or human trafficking. You know, we have a huge problem with human trafficking in the state of Tennessee. And we've connected with an organization that's going to help this group work against that in the state of Tennessee and ultimately around the world. If you'd like to be a part of a group like that or lead a group like that, let us know. You see, Jesus embraced the Samaritan woman and engaged her with a living water, with a good news that would quench her deepest thirst. I want you to notice what happened when Jesus embraced her and she in turn embraced Jesus as her Savior. Look at verse 28. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city. Notice that. She'd come to get water in the heat of the day, didn't want to be around anyone. Now she forgets why she's there because she's met Jesus. She has identity now, identity in Christ. And she went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? I love how she worded that. Come see a man who's told me all that I've done. Instead of saying, I've met the Messiah, I've met the Messiah. No, come see a man that's told me all I've ever done. She believed he was the Christ. She had embraced him. It's not the Christ, is it? They got curious and they all began to come. They all began to come. They went out of the city and were coming to him. Listen, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you will possess a desire to lead others to follow Jesus. Let's read that together. Followers of Jesus will possess a desire to lead others to follow Jesus. I want you to let that sink in. Because this is true for every follower of Jesus. Sometimes as Christians we forget about this, but every follower of Jesus, this has to be the heart of who we are. He will want us and we will want to lead others to Jesus Christ. Look what happened in verse 39 as a result of this woman. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things that I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus embraced this woman at the well. He engaged her with a love that quenched her deepest thirst. She found her identity. She humbled herself and received the gift that Jesus was offering, forgiveness of sins. By the way, that's the only grounds upon which Jesus will come into your life. You must humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, then you can surrender your life to Jesus. 
Surrender your life to Jesus. If you are a seeker exploring the claims of Christ, then we have some groups for you where you can come and, and ask all the questions you want to ask. It's a safe place. But if today, listen, today, you're ready to humble yourself and embrace Jesus as your Savior and surrender your life to Him, then I want to invite you to pray the most powerful prayer you will ever pray in your life. It's called a prayer of salvation. You're not praying it to me, but you're praying it from your heart to Jesus. We're going to all pray it out loud together. You're not alone here. We're together, okay? Pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and paying the penalty for my sin. I admit I have sinned and I need a Savior. I humble myself before you and surrender my life to you. Amen. Amen. Oh. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let's rejoice with them. Come on. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to take the communication card out of the seat back in front of you and put your name on it and check that box. Today I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Your next step is to be baptized, to go public with your faith. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. You can drop that card in the offering buckets in just a little while. Listen, every follower of Jesus, every one of us, every Christ follower, Jesus wants us to embrace others and engage the world with his love. He does. Listen, it takes humility to participate in a group to consider others more important than yourself, to give yourself to a group of people. You can, anyone can go to a group, but it takes humility on your part to receive from that group. You see, that's a biblical principle. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He's drawn to the humble. So as you give yourself to others in humility, he will show up more and more in your life. Do you want more of God in your life? Then give yourself to a group of people in humility. And God will show up and show off in and through your life. Today we're asking you to take a step into a new river that God has for you. Or to, or to take a step onto an on-ramp of a new road that God has for you in 2018. You will never regret taking a journey with Jesus. Today at every campus... At every campus, you'll have the opportunity to meet leaders of new Embrace and Engage groups. You'll be able to meet them. You'll be able to find a group that's just right for you. Next week, we're going to talk about encounter and, uh, and expand groups, and you'll get to meet those groups. But you, maybe you're saying, Kyle, I don't have time to wait to next week. I'm interested in those groups now. I want to know tonight that we can help you tonight. I promise you, we can. We can help you. So today, if you'll take a step towards connection, Take a step towards a group, a group of people. Or if you want to lead a group, then in a moment, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Try it for a semester. New rivers, new roads in 2018 for you. I recently came across this quote from a book that Pastor gave me to read on endurance. He gave me this book. He says, Kyle, you're going to need this. And in this book, Michael Chitwood said this. Everything you've always wanted in life is on the other side of fear. 
So today, I'm going to ask you to take a step. And when you take that step, here's what's going to happen. Your fear is going to diminish and faith is going to activate and you're going to move towards a new experience, a new 2018, a new potential for you in 2018 with a group of people where you can belong. Step out in faith today. Step out in faith today. At each campus, our campus pastors or our group's pastors are going to come out. They're going to give instructions about how you can find a group today. Campuses, take it away. God bless you as you step out in faith today.